Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives. This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes. With your host, Ryan Sanford. Hey again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite. I am your host, Ryan Sanford. It is great to be back with you again today. Also want to first thank our great sponsors at the University of Oklahoma and the Price College of Business and their EMBA program in energy, and of course, the Oil and Gas Global Network that make this show possible. I am really excited about today's show. We are going to be talking about female leaders and getting them prepared for board positions. And I've got a couple of great experts that are going to be joining me here in just a moment. Our first one is a corporate director, entrepreneur, speaker and author, and she is the founder and CEO of Women Get On Board. She is Deborah Rosati. And I'm also going to be joined by the Senior Vice President of Board and Executive Solutions at LHH, a global leadership consultancy, Dr. Andrea Plotnick. Thank you for joining us today, Andrea and Deborah. I am so happy to have you both with me. How are you today? Fantastic. And thank you so much, Ryan, for inviting us both as guests. Thank you. Likewise. Excited to be here. Great. Deborah, I can tell by your accent, you must be from Texas. <laughs> I was. I lived in North Carolina for three years. I developed a Southern accent, but I can't say I have it anymore. <laughs> My wife happens to be Canadian, so I pick up on that pretty quickly. And her, her family is actually from Ontario. So, yeah. No, cool. Hey, before we get into talking about this incredible program that you have both collaborated on to help women get ready for board positions, let's get a little bit of background. Andrea, maybe we'll start with you. Talk a little bit about the work that you do at LHH, and then we'll give Deborah a chance too to talk about her work. Great. Thanks, Ryan. I'd be delighted to. So, let me tell you a little bit about my history before I actually get into what I'm doing at LHH. I'm an organizational psychologist by training, and I'm a career consultant, and I've worked for the last 30 years or so across the entire talent life cycle. But the last 15 years, I've really been focused on the top of the house, so executives and boards of directors, and really focused on effectiveness. So really working at advising boards and C-suites around what makes them individually and collectively more effective. And really, I like to think of it as future-proofing. At LHH, I head up our board and executive solutions practice, and it's really focused again on CEO and C-suite succession planning, board effectiveness reviews, director effectiveness assessments, working hand-in-glove with our search practice and our leadership development programs to really bring out the best at the top of the house. And really what this allows me to do is marry all my different interests, which is around effectiveness at the top, as I said, but also applying a diversity lens. And that's become incredibly more important, especially in this day and age. Great. Deborah, you want to talk a little bit about you've done so many different things in your career and still are. Tell us a little bit about your journey to this point. Well, first of all, thank you, Dr. Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I come from a different perspective and I like to characterize it to say that I always wanted to be a businessman just like my father. So that's been my life journey, and I have had an incredible opportunity to, you know, advance my career. I'm a professional accountant by background and sort of rose the ranks of being a CFO in technology companies and took it to exit. And then it was really 20 years ago, plus that through my work as a general partner, 
in a venture capital firm, I ended up serving on the portfolio company boards. And really, so my journey on a corporate board started as part of my professional career, and that was over 20 years ago. And at that time, and isn't too much different today, common denominator through most of the boards I served on, and I've served on over 20 boards in the last 20 years, of which 14 of them then have been private, public, and then I've had public sector. I've also had not-for-profit. So I've had a myriad of different experiences, different industries, was common denominators usually the only woman around the boardroom table. And, you know, it is 2021. And so as I evolved in my career and in my board work, a lot of women would ask me, how did I get on a board? So it was like such a novel thing. And so I started doing, I did a lot of talks at women in leadership conferences, and I started calling my slides, women get on board. And the opportunity came in 2015, I was getting a lot of my peers that were in their stage of their career where they were transitioning to be an independent corporate director. And I thought this was bigger than myself, bigger than speaking at conferences, bigger than having a glass of wine or coffee with individuals. I thought I am going to create a member-based company. It's going to have a social purpose. And the social purpose is to empower more women to corporate boards. And so I continue to serve as a corporate director. I'm on two public company boards. So I bring a lot of that kind of I want to say street knowledge (laughs) of, you know, in the trenches fighting every day and then, you know, really trying to empower that next generation of women corporate directors. And that's really been the platform that I've grown women get on board. And we'll talk about the collaboration on our Getting Board Ready program with LHH and Andrea, my co-collaborator and my (laughs) co-conspirator, I think. (laughs) So I've had a very... (laughs) I love the way you describe your your street smart, so to speak, because it's really interesting the way we're very symbiotic in terms of how we work together and I think the value that we bring to the program. So I'm coming at it from a lens of advising boards. I have done board work in the past, but I'm certainly not the expert in the trenches that Deborah is. I mean, she's got so many, so many boards and so many years under her belt from that perspective. I'm looking at it from the outside, looking at the board and how do you make them more effective? And when you bring them both together, it really is a powerful combination. So we clearly have a couple of powerhouse women on our show today. And the next thing I want to talk about, let's talk about this program, this Getting Board Ready program that you've both decided to collaborate on. How did that come about and how did you decide to work with each other on it? It's such an interesting story. So Deborah and I actually met many, many years ago. Well, not that many years ago. I'm going to say maybe about five or six years ago. And I think we actually are not entirely sure how it came to be. But what we did realize very early on is that we had this overlapping network of contacts. We seemed to be moving in the same circles, but we hadn't actually personally connected. So we developed a bond through that. We were both working with boards and on boards at the time. And it was sort of a germ at the back of our minds that, you know, maybe one day we'd work together, but nothing concrete had happened around that. And fast forward to three years ago, I started my new role at LHH. And one of my first days, one of my colleagues brought me into a boardroom and said, we've got a woman in here that we'd like you to meet because we think you'd get along really well. And I walk into the boardroom and there is Deborah (laughs) and was there talking about her vision around getting board ready, the program, which is exactly what I have been hired to do at LHH. And lo and behold, it was, you know, one of those meant to be situations yeah. Deborah, is that how you is that yeah. how you remember it? <laughs> it's sort of like, you know, when people ask how you met your partner and you'd love to hear how, you know, the other side of it. Yeah, very much that way. 
And I think if I just preempted a little bit before Andrea came into that boardroom and we we're like, oh my God, this is perfect. A match made in heaven was really what I had identified. I'm an entrepreneur and I'm in market and I'm working with women. And I had done these half day workshops, which was a mini version of the getting board ready version of how to get yourself on a board. And my recognition was these women, we'd give them the tools, they'd go away. It was a cohort, be half day and they'd go off. They never did their board resume and they just sort of put it to the side and it really didn't get integrated into what they were doing. So the combination was I thought, I really want to build a program, but I, I don't feel like I had the resources to do it on my own. And I had a relation, I had a connection into LHH at the time and they were interested in it. But Andrea, quite honestly, they, we had conversations, but I think the impetus of you coming in and that was, that was really the, oh my goodness, we can build this. And so it was the real recognition that this needed to be more than a half-day workshop, and then bringing Andrea's skills and knowledge. And we just, it really has been a labor of love. I couldn't have said it better, Deborah. that we talk about it a lot in that, in those terms, the labor of love around this. I think what's interesting is that we have a very similar vision of where we want to go. And I think we're both very pragmatic in terms of how we approach it. And as Deborah said, and I agree, absolutely, we didn't want this to be a governance program. There, were, there are a lot of great governance programs out there, and this didn't have to be another one of them. It really was meant to bridge a gap and be pragmatic and provide people with advice and the tools for, so here is where I am in my career. How do I take that next step? How do I pull together my resume? How do I start to reframe my journey to start to think about board work and as early as possible? So it's that, for Deborah and I, it's that ability to have that same North Star in terms of where we want to go, that same mindset in terms of being pragmatic, but then also coming at it from slightly different perspectives. Deborah is the pro at bringing in her specific experiences. What I bring to the table is a lot around effectiveness and what I know, you know, to be true around how teams and boards work together and what makes an individual effective in terms of how they show up at a board table and so forth. So it really is leveraging leveraging the two sets of capabilities towards that common that common shared vision. That's awesome. I want to get into a little bit about what the experience is like for the women who do engage in this program. Can you walk us through, maybe Deborah, we'll start with you. What, what, what does that look like? What does the journey look like when someone says, this sounds cool. I want to do this. I want to be a board member one day. Like, What does it start like? And then what do they experience along the way? Well, as Andrea had mentioned earlier, when we were pre-conversation into the podcast was, we were originally going to deliver this program and it was going to be in person and it was going to be a much smaller group. And during the pandemic and the first was like, oh my God, that's not going to happen. We're going to turn to these online programs. So our first cohort were 30 women and we kind of went, oh my God, what have we got ourselves into? <laughs> and we realized that these women, the first cohort of 30 women were really powerhouse women. They were all very accomplished in different industries, different skills, and they came together. And part of what we've built out with this program, not only is it an online learning, and peer, but there's this whole peer-to-peer component. So the women that come in, And then we do, we match them up. So they're making sure they're engaging and, you know, speaking to the peers and we, you know, they go into breakout groups. But there's two things I would say that is the bonding that they have with each other because they realize they're not alone. They're not the only one thinking about, hey, I want to get to the boardroom. And secondly, 
there is aha moments because we really drill down and say, listen, as, as Andrea indicates, it's your North Star. Where do you want to go? Why do you, we ask them the bigger questions. Where do you want to go? Why do you want to do it? And what do you bring? And it really, it's tough. It, you don't show up having all the knowledge. And so you kind of see these breakthroughs with these women and we've seen the evolution in the programming as well. And, you know, we do one of the the sessions that we do is we do an actual board simulation, which I think Andrea and I always say it's probably one of our most favorite where they come in. I run it from a chair perspective. I have a colleague that is the corporate secretary and they have to come in and be board ready and board present. And it's, it's not a learning session. It's, you know, they're showing up, we call it your board impact. And then Andrea and her colleagues, they'll do an assessment on their, how did they show up? And I think we surprised ourselves on, we were always wondering how we could do that online. So I think it's a combination of, you know, really getting them to think. And then it's iterative that we start with tools that they have is like, what do you, it's kind of like, what do you want to be when you grow up? But what's your value? And we work through that for the six months and they don't show up on day one with their board resume. It's iterative and they work through it. And then the other thing I think that's unique is we actually bring in two of Andrea's colleagues that are executive search you know, and they do board search. So they speak to the group. And then we bring in two of our corporate director and residents, two women's. So they get some real practical experience of what are executive search firms looking for, for board members, and then board members, how did they get themselves on board? And what were their experiences? So I think highlight pretty pumped. We're going into cohort five, which I can't believe, which will be starting in September. So September over to you, Andrea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you did an excellent job, of course, as always, Deborah, laying it all out. I think I like to think of it as choreography. And I think we, we've hit on the right dance steps. <laughs> and we really, and, you know, I said to you earlier, changing to virtual delivery was a blessing in a way because it's allowed us to meet, to reach even more people. So we very purposely structured the program so that it is monthly. And at the end, and each module is two hours in length. And we always provide people with recommended readings, resources, and homework to do in between. What was quite interesting is one of our learnings at the very beginning is, as Deborah said, we matched the women up with each other to have a discussion in between each module. So in the the first cohort that we ran this, we had scheduled one meeting between people. And they came back to us and they said, it's so valuable. We want more than one. So now we've extended it to two. And it's really crazy that the culture that we have built in this cohort of women And when I say cohort, I'm actually talking about all four cohorts because we bring them all together. It's become everyone lifts each other up and it's become such an empowering and engaging group of people that there's this positive energy that it's, you know, we talk about it being a labor of love. It truly is a labor of love because you can feel that energy that builds throughout the course of the program. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Is there a profile? You've done four cohort groups so far, and I think you're working now on enrolling the fifth. Is there a typical profile of the leader who joins this program? And maybe is there a success story or two that you might want to highlight? I can talk about the profile and maybe Deborah, if you want to talk about the success stories, because there have been many. We were very intentional when we started this. This is not a First of all, it's not a passive program. You're not there just to sort of absorb information and not, you have to participate in this. We were also very deliberate about who we were targeting and it was going to be executive level women or the equivalent because our fundamental belief is there are certain capabilities that are necessary to have under your belt in order to effectively be a board member. So as part of signing up for this program, we've actually outlined a series of questions that we ask people to complete. 
to think about if this is the right program for them. And we have had, as Deborah said earlier, and I think you actually, Ryan, you used the word powerhouse. It really has been a powerhouse group of women each and every time, shining stars in their fields. They come from different places, but no shrinking violets in this group <laughs> or groups, plural. Would you agree, Deborah? Oh, I, I get excited. <laughs> and then you get to know them through the, and then the real one is when they show up at the board session, right? And you're like, wow. And like some of them come as true leaders and you're like, oh my God, you could be chairing this meeting actually. <laughs> and so to that point of elevating, and one of the things common denominator we see when we do do the board impact session is, and we do evaluations and we critique it after, but is it's such a collaborative group. And as women, they build off of each other. So thank you, Andrea. That was a great idea. Let me add my point. And it is such collaborative, but we're trying to make it like a simulated environment. And so the successes that we've seen, and Andrea, I was doing the numbers being the number girl I am, we've had about (laughs) 15% for the first three cohorts that have come through were in cohort 15, at least 15% of them have shared their board appointments. And the board appointments have been anything from public sector to not-for-profit and What really marries that up as part of them being a member of Women Get On Board, we post board opportunities to our members on a regular basis. And they see those postings and they apply. I've had some of them reach out and say, hey, what do you think about this one? And or, oh, my God, how do I prepare for this? I go, you got it. You can do it. One of them in particular, Andrea, I was telling you is she was in our second cohort and she's actually going for board interview and she just wanted some consultation. So we have a colleague that she's working with on helping her through that. They have just been phenomenal opportunities, but I can tell you, they when they come out of the program, they actually have a board resume. So they're thinking about it. We walk through it and we go, okay, here's what a board opportunity profile would look like. Make sure you read the spec. Make sure you understand what you're, we, we coach them, we, we advise them. We're like, just don't throw your name in. Make sure you hit the sweet spot when you're doing it. There's two of our members currently being interviewed for, in Canada, in the public sector, we have what we call departmental audit committees, and they're more advisory committees to the government, which is a great, a really great profile for you. I have served on one in the past, and two of our members are actually being interviewed. And that's very, very significant because you have to go through significant, you have to, it's a, you become, it's an order in council through the government. So for you to actually get to interview stage is huge. And two of ours are right now being interviewed only because they, they'll reach out and they've seen the posting. So I can tell you in time, we can only track what they share with us, but I can tell you they're very, very keen and you know very diligent. They follow the prescription where they can, right? What I would add to that, Deborah, is what we, in one of our earlier earliest modules, it might even be the first one, we lay out, if you can kind of visualize a triangle, and we, and we lay out what your board journey needs to look like. And, you know, everyone thinks about, I want to be on a corporate board. Well, that's really the apex of the triangle on those board seats, those big corporate, those plum board seats are a few and far between. And typically, that's not going to be the first part, the first step in your journey. So what we help them think through is what is the path to get there? So it may not be your next board seat, but what do you need to do to get there? And, you know, if you're in, if you're serving only on not-for-profit boards, for example, if your passion lies there and that's all that you want to do, that's fantastic. But if you're using that as a stepping stone, it's to be able to create some 
clear objectives for yourself around when do I need to move on? You know, when is enough enough? And then I'm going to move on to something else. The other thing that we do in that first module, I call it myth busting, really. So we lay out what the landscape looks like from a board perspective, because I think many people think corporate boards, not-for-profit boards, and they forget that there are all kinds of boards in there that are still paying boards, but they may not be the ones that you typically would think about. And you can build a career from that perspective as well. So it's really helpful to think about where do you want to go ultimately, the North Star, and where do you want to go next? And how do you shape your value proposition, your personal, we call it our board value proposition, of the value that you bring to boards? It really helps them in the interview process. It helps their mindset to prepare them for everything that comes next. So what are the biggest challenges for the folks that are going through your program as they get to the point where they're actually applying for board positions? I mean, are there some specific things that are just, we know it's a very competitive landscape for board positions. So, you know, what are some of those core challenges that they typically face and how you guys help them prepare to meet those challenges? So Andrea, maybe I'll take that one and feed on to that one. I would say There's this concept of imposter syndrome. So I think a lot of women face that where they're like, I'm not good enough. I don't have all the skills. And and then you're trying to get them to evaluate. So I would say a lot of women undersell themselves and even in this program. And part of when we do the peer-to-peer, they have a peer kind of saying, you got this. You forgot about this. You should add this. And then they start then there's this kind of confidence they have to say, yeah, I do have this. So, you know, to that North Star and where they're going is that they have a target and they know it's going to be a journey. And so we really do try to elevate their confidence and even just their thought process of where it fits and where they should be going. And so some women, you know, there'll be the, oh, I don't think I'm good enough. And I would say that's probably more common than women saying, hey, I've got it. I'm going to go after it. And part of the program is it's an investment in themselves and they recognize that this is what they need to do to invest in their future. And I would say, Andrea, we're almost 100 through or midst of the program, 100 women. I would say majority of them took the program because they know they wanted to end up someday on a corporate board, but know it is a journey. So the challenges I would say would be them in their own development is getting the confidence to empower them, getting them to think, yes, you can do this. And that's kind of the Mm -hmm. whole premise behind the whole program is to empower them so that they will land a corporate board seat at some stage. But to your point, Ryan, it is competitive. And we try to, we try to educate them on that one. So if you are, what make sure your cover letter, make sure your board resume, make sure you're really articulating your value proposition and what makes you unique so that you can stand out as a potential candidate. Yeah, and just adding on to that, I mean, brilliantly said, I don't have much to add, except that it's really differentiating between what your your executive career looks like and your executive resume versus your board resume and rethinking it and thinking in terms of what does a board care about? Not what have I done in my entire career, but what will a board care, care about and framing it in that kind of thinking? You mentioned earlier, Andrea, that there there's a certain number of, I, I don't know if you call it a hurdle, but there are certain things that you kind of need to have with you to, to get into this program so that you would be a qualified candidate for board positions. I'll, let's start a little bit earlier. So women who are younger in their career, who maybe haven't achieved those those hurdles yet, what should they be doing earlier on to prepare themselves for potentially eventual board service? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So let me start with, and Deborah, I know you'll add on, you've got a clear point of view here as well. One of the most important things is around financial literacy. So really making sure that you understand, you know, how all the pieces fit together to be able to read a balance sheet, to be able to look at what an organization is putting in front of you to be able to make sense of it. So, you know, having P&L responsibility over time, you know, making sure that you've got that lens, that's table stakes. You really need to be able to do that to be effective. Other things that you can do is if you work for an organization that has subsidiaries to see if you can get onto any of their boards or at the very least start presenting to your own board. So looking for any opportunities to put you in front of a board to begin to build your expertise that way and to start to build your network as well. You may not be ready to be on a board yet, but if you start to build that network when you are ready, it's a lot easier to be able to draw on it. You look like you're about to say something, Deborah, as well. Well, I'm nodding. I'm nodding because (laughs) I agree with you 100%. But maybe a couple add-ons that I would say is through, you know, part of your professional journey and where you are in your career is, you know, start making that part of your professional development. And you're having conversations as part of your own development plan. I want to eventually get here. I would like to take some training I would like to get in front of the board. I would like sponsorship. I would like to be involved if we have your large organization and you have philanthropy or give back to community. Maybe there's an opportunity for you to participate on that from your corporate perspective. And so making it very clear that you have that intention and, you know, rising star, high potentials, whatever you want to call them, you do need the support. And I always say at the beginning when you're looking at your board journey, is make sure that you don't have conflicts within your organization because it's time commitment. It could be a conflict with respect to, you know, conflicts categories or industries that you're in. But I would make it very, very clear that you get the support from your organization, no matter what stage that you're at. And then I would say the other thing is serving on advisory councils. So over the years, I've served on advisory councils for my alma mater, the Goodman School of Business. I've served on advisory councils for, I was in Ottawa, the you know Ottawa Carleton Research Institute. So it doesn't always have to be board related per se. There's other opportunities for you to get known and, and really build your network so it's not so insular inside your organization. Maybe it's industry focus and associations that you take on leadership roles as well. Just as a sidebar to that, what's quite interesting is we're getting at LHH, we're getting asked quite a bit to come into organizations and help them build sponsorship programs for women and help them think through advising women, executive level women within their organizations, how to land board seats. So I think there's increasing recognition around how important it is to start earlier in people's careers to start to build that pipeline. And I'm going to ask you both for a second to take off your advisory hat and sit down in the boards and maybe share a couple of trends with us about maybe the recent trends about what boards are looking for when there is an open position and they're looking out into that whole universe of potential candidates for boards. Like what are some things that you're seeing now? I can pipe in and Deborah, I'm sure you'll have much to add. I think, you know, it's really quite interesting through the pandemic and as we fondly refer to it, the next normal (laughs) that's emerging out the other side. We're definitely seeing some trends in terms of competencies that they're looking for and specific expertise that is being sought after at the board table. So diversity clearly is a big one, not just women, but more broadly underrepresented groups at the board table to really allow for diversity of thought. 
But in addition to that, it's being able to work, you know, we used to say noses in, fingers out. It's actually becoming a little bit more of fingers in because there is so much ambiguity and so much to tackle that board members need to be able to work in a really collaborative way with management without stepping on their toes. So that ability to support by getting engaged and work in a collaborative way is even more important than it ever has been. And then there are some specific areas of expertise that I'd say are incredibly important nowadays, like cyber risk you know, goes without saying. ESG is really important as well. I think those are the two that really are resonating with me. Deborah? So my add on to that, because I see it from two, Ryan, you said, take off your advisory and kind of you're in the board. (laughs) So I'm on two public company boards. And, you know, I chair one of the nominating corporate governance committees, and we're just going through some board renewal and just had a call yesterday with my colleagues. And it's like, okay, all right, we've got to have a a really clear board position spec. We've got to be clear. We did a board skill matrix so that we could identify what current skills we have, but where are we going and what are the skills we need? And doing the board skill matrix was really, really important because it showed the gaps of what we don't, like we know what we have, but it identified what we didn't have. And that was really informative to move forward to say, as we build out, these are the skills we need. So that was great. What I do see is that diversity lens, diversity of thought. And I put my Women Get On Board hat and we engage with companies to help them find diverse candidates because we have this network of 700 plus women across Canada that with different skills and expertise and have got one on the go, where typically what I find the profile is, it's an all male board and they're coming in and a lot of them are publicly listed, but small cap and they're coming in and they go, we need to have a change we need diversity. So you go, okay, what does diversity look like to you? How do you know, and we'll help you find that candidate. But you also, you can't just say you want it, you have to actually, you know, walk the talk. So if you say on paper, you want to, and then we put a, you know, some very, you know, targeted and qualified candidates, and you make the decision, because you're looking for a unicorn and none of them fit it, is that you have to actually be, it has tone at the top, it's the culture. And there's kind of two groups in, in, I like to say, in a board, there's, and, and it comes from a very good friend of mine who's an author of many governance books, she terms boards can be champions or preservationists. So if you're a champion, you're an agent of change and you want change on the board. If you're a preservationist, you're more likely to say, we're okay, we're status quo, we've never had diversity, why do we need diversity now? So to (laughs) me, you've got to have some champions on the board, because without those champions, you will not have that renewal, which will not allow, which I even say not allow, but will not open up the conversations for diversity. Yeah. You know, the other trend that I'm seeing, which is quite interesting, for many years, there was a push at the board table to reduce in size. And now there's a slight push to increase slightly in size to make because there are so many demands on boards that it's impossible for small boards to be able to jump through all the hoops that they need to jump through. So much wisdom and insight that that you both have shared with us today. We could probably keep this conversation going (laughs) for quite a while. But before we let you go, I want to just give you a chance to tell anyone who's listening right now that might be interested in exploring this program, this great program that you've put together, how can they learn more about it? How can they engage with you? 
Well, I will throw it out there. If anyone's interested, I'm going to give you my work email. Feel free to pop me a line and I'm happy to respond. It's Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A dot Plotnik, P-L-O-T-N-I-C-K at L-H-H dot com. As I said, send me an email and we can send you all the material that you might be interested in. So I'll take that one further. Deborah Rosati, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to respond, <laughs> but I would we'll put say, We'll put links in the show okay. notes for both of your bios. Thank yep. you. But what I would say is Women Get On Board, we actually, if you go to womengetonboard.ca, we have our programs. We have several different programs. This is one of them. You can click on and all of the details are there. So Andrew, personally, and it's a collective collaboration. So all the materials that we have on our website are collective wisdoms together and describe the program well. Great. Such a cool program and such a great collaboration between two powerhouse women who not only know their stuff, but they really like working together. That comes through really vividly (laughs) in this conversation. So Dr. Andrea Plotnik and Deborah Rosati, thank you so much for joining our show today. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Ryan. Great. And thank you again for listening to our show. Hey, don't forget to leave us a review if you're enjoying these episodes and finding them valuable on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you access your podcasts. I want to give another shout out to our great sponsors at OU and the Price College of Business and their EMBA program in energy. As always, there'll be a link to their site in the show notes if you want to learn more about their great programs. Thanks again to the OGGN for giving us the chance to speak with you again. And until next time, have a great one, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for August 2021. This month, we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on August 26th. Our July happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the last one, we hope to see you there this month. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts, network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Other than OGGN's events, we have three in-person events and one hybrid in-person and online event. First up, we have our three in-person events. The first being OTC, or the Offshore Technology Conference, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, from August 16th to the 19th. Next, we have the IPAA Leaders in Industry Luncheon at the Petroleum Club of Houston on August 17th. And lastly, we have the 2021 Connected Plant Conference at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas, from August 30th to September 2nd. Other than our three in-person events, we have our hybrid event, which is NAEP, or the North American Prospect Expo. Now this summit is a hybrid event because it's both online and in-person. The in-person portion of the event will be from August 18th to the 20th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, while the online portion of the event is from August 9th to September 3rd. If you have any questions about these events or any podcasts within the Oil & Gas Global Network, Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.